because I think I I I I I think that we've made marketing branding our good work in a nonprofit world, church world, uh, in small businesses mm-hmm. hard. And I was just looking at the story of Jesus and a woman at the well. And the first word of exchange comes from Jesus when he's watching her draw water and he says, give me drink. Yeah. And it's a statement based upon an observation. Right. I think that so you remember growing up, uh, man, mm-hmm. <laughs> remember growing up, uh, some of the weirdest people we ever met were the librarians. Yeah. <laughs> no, this to the librarians, but I mean, growing up, they were like, yeah. really weird. Yeah. I, I think we in the nonprofit world and as churches be, have replaced librarians as weird people right. because we, we become introverts on purpose. Mm-hmm. We become uh, an internal uh, uh, standing ovation for each other in the nonprofit community the, to so that we can celebrate how hard our work is and how well we're doing it and better than everybody else. But and we're getting underpaid. Yeah. And in and in all of that internal self uh, self praising, hmm. we're missing the action of what our clients, potential clients, potential parishioners are engaging in and not making provocative statements or asking questions in the moment that are relevant. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine him asking for a drink when she's not even around the well or not drawing any water? Yeah. Moments before then, he 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 said, I'm hungry. That was a random statement uh, to made to his disciples that can be said in relationship with people you already know. Yeah, we're talking, Malik. I'm hungry. Like we've been talking for an hour. I'm hungry. It's a random statement in the middle of a podcast, but because of relationship, you can understand that, right? You can, uh, but to a stranger, to acknowledge your thirst when there's nothing to indicate that this woman had water in a pouch or was not drawn water up would be irrelevant and it makes you look weird. And I'm bringing it up in that way because when I think about the way we market um, and try to recruit for programs and our nonprofits and in our churches, we do it in a way that just, we thrust ourselves on people mm-hmm. out of nowhere, even though, we intellectually know more about our potential customers and clients and parishioners uh, before we do that. But we just rush to the market and we thrust ourselves in an irrelevant way. And we are, you know, in the middle of a desert saying, give me drink. When you can clearly see everybody who is going down this desert path has nothing to drink or nothing in their drinking retainer or receptacle. Yeah. So, <laughs> so everything in God's grocery store is beneficial, but not necessarily expedient for everybody's meal. And many times we rush in because we have studied to become executive chefs and we rush into God's grocery store and we grab his steak and we grab 
you know, uh, uh, portobello mushrooms and we grab truffle oil and we grab all of these things. And someone who has not had a good meal in three years, they're, they're famished. Their body doesn't even understand truffle oil. It's trying to figure out broccoli. Let, let alone truffle oil, right? A hot dog is too much. And yet you're trying to give them a porterhouse and then you get mad when they get indigestion. Whose fault is that? Is that the individual who has the indigestion or was it the chef who never stopped to ask, are you allergic to anything? <laughs> you know, what are you impacted by? How can I best take care of you? Right? And so going back to that, you know, the woman in the well scenario, Jesus being the master teacher that he, he, he always has been and still continues to be, he was simply just saying, look, sometimes the most simplest statements get the, the best work done. I don't need to kick a whole bunch of lines. I don't, know, I don't need to come in and be like, yo, sis, you know who my dad is? <laughs> he, he didn't come that way. He just said, yo, you know what? In my hypostatic union, 100% man and 100% God, I'm going to go to the, the, the human side and, and relate and say, look, I, I'm thirsty. Can you help me out? Well, that conversation helped them deal with a cultural barrier that existed. That cultural barrier can help us when we're talking about Black Lives Matters. That cultural barrier can help us as churches when we're talking about outreach to individuals coming from another city and benefiting from tax abatements. And they're now living in condos down the street where, you know, row homes are, are still there and, and, and their, their value is raised. Uh, it helps us to have conversation between young and old. I mean, the list goes on. He showed how to get on the same page through Maslow's hierarchy of needs. <laughs> get to the basic need assessment, deal with that, and use that as a platform to begin to talk about things of a higher nature and a higher intellect. So let me all, let me add to that. This is this is so good. Speaking to the basic need and in speaking a word of relevance, mm -hmm. this biblical example is based upon a word of relevance. She was at a well. He was at a well. She came to draw water. He had nothing. And his statement was in reference to what she just drew out. Yeah. What her intentions produced, which was a bucket full of water. Right. Uh, what came to mind, uh, Proverbs 25 and 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Yeah. And when I think about marketing, when I think about branding, when I think about positioning, it is the proper placement of a word or a series of words or images against a backdrop that otherwise has uh has no has nothing that stands out or has nothing that makes it look special silver does not look special on a surface mm -hmm. and to speak a, a a word 
that is like a golden apple in a pitcher of silver, a backdrop of silver, uh, a background of silver means that your words in the midst of the noise, in the midst of a crowded marketplace, in the midst of stiff competition, right. a golden apple, your marketing, your branding, your message, your story, your presentation, uh, your delivery, your service, your worship experience, your programs stand out in the midst of all of that and it breaks through to reach the intended audience and i think the connection to uh proverbs 25 11 to the women at the well malik is sometimes the the golden apple and the silver pitcher is not meant for everybody but it's meant for one person who will get this be your viral source this mm-hmm. woman was the viral uh, draw on Instagram. So let's, let's dig deep, even deeper. Let's dig even deeper in that. A golden apple signified a ripe apple from a tree that had, that was well tended, well cared for. This apple showed that it was coming from the choices of trees it was special fruit, right? That goes back to the craftsmanship of the gardener, the one who was tending the the orchard, right? You go to a, a silver pitcher, it is the craftsmanship of the pitcher, the semblance of, you know, of, of royalty, of, of prestige, of prominence. Not everybody's gonna have a silver pitcher in their house. You know, and so that word, it's, it's not just the shininess of it. It's the value of it and the craftsmanship behind it. That's the piece that, that is, is one of the biggest uh, lessons that we have in this. Understanding we can do the flashbang all day long. In the military, a flashbang grenade stuns the living daylights out of a lot of people, but doesn't do a lot of damage. In many cases, we we arm ourselves with tons of flashbangs and light the whole neighborhood up. And it looks amazing when we see these sparks of light. But we recognize that we did no damage to the demon that's been destroying the block. I thought you were going to continue. <laughs> I, there's more. I'm, I'm trying to shut up. I'm trying to, you know, that's St. Francis of Assisi, you know. <laughs> But you know, so so here's the other component, and this is tough, um, and it's tough for all of us, including myself. Um, we talk about Tower of Babel all the time, and we talk about uh, there are those who who will refer to that passage of scripture about the unity of the folk. They were on one accord, one language. They were able to communicate with everything. And they said, look, let's take brick and, and, and basically bake it in the sun. Let's turn it into stone, rough, roughly. That's what we're going to do, right? So, so they set aside a plan. They executed that plan flawlessly. And everybody was on one mission. Let's build this thing as high as the heavens. Let's build us a city and a tower. 
as high as the heavens. We'll celebrate all that all the time, right? In church. Oh my good, you know, let's let's get on one accord. We could build towers. But but there's a critical component to that. Because Nimrod was all up in all of that, right? The spirit of those folk, they weren't doing it for the right reason. So literally, language as we know it was introduced by God because he said, I have to scatter them because they're on one accord and there's nothing that they can't do. So I now have to scatter them, not because they were on one accord, but for what accord they were on. That's the critical piece about branding and marketing in the spiritual sense that's totally different than a commercial space. Commercial space is going to be about a bottom line, a PL statement. Where are we at? You know, are we matching supply and demand and maximizing our opportunities as a manufacturer or a distributor? In the spiritual space, we're supposed to be leading everybody to, to God. Everything has to go back to him, not to the center chair, not to the great worship leader, not to the MD who you just brought in from playing overseas. You know, it, it, it's none of that. If, if all roads do not lead back to the Savior unapologetically, even your unified approach will get broken up. Mm. And sometimes that leading back may not be a result of your direct touch. No. It it may be you breaking through and speaking that golden apple of a word to a woman who then tells the entire city mm -hmm. and creating a flood that comes back to you. I had um I had a grant writing workshop the past couple weekends, mm -hmm. and what stunned me was where people came from. Yeah. They did not come from where I was marketing and where I paid the market. Yeah. They came from outside of the marketing area, but heard about the workshop from some other means. And sometimes you just, you just don't know who's listening, who the, who, who the words you spoken, how they hit folk. Right. Man. You yeah. just don't know. But that's a that's a consistent conversation, right? That's not a conversation once every three quarters or or, or once every three months. That, that's a conversation you need to have daily. If, if we're focused and, and we're intentional about winning souls, we have to constantly be on the... When you're on the battlefield, right? You're checking in with your superior daily. It's not a, oh, I'm going out to war. I'll see you in a week if something went wrong. <laughs> it's a conversation daily. Some, it may even be minute by minute, depending on the level of artillery that you're facing and opposition that you're facing. It's a constant conversation with central command. Up the food chain. Right. So you're talking to your leader that's on the field. That leader's talking to, you know, your immediate superior at the base. That base is talking to, you know, the general. The general's now talking to CENCOM. CENCOM may be talking to the president. 
hopefully he's talking to somebody, <laughs> you know, he's talking to somebody of, of a higher power that's going to make some sense. But there's a chain that has to remain in constant communication. And in many cases, sometimes we forget the free, the power of the frequency of that constant feedback loop. Mm. Here's what's happening on the field. Here's what we need to change. You know, sometimes that feedback loop may happen in the moment. It's so interesting how Nation of Islam shows up on events the moment it happens that night. And we miss opportunities as a body to do the same thing. Well, if people start recognizing that you're a first responder, who do they go to when they're in trouble? Who do they call when they need something that needs a response? I'm going to go to the guy who's on the scene immediately. I'm going to go to the billboard or the catchy jingle I hear all the time. Come on, man. It means nothing. It means nothing. If you know how many, yeah. how many individuals are going to have a conversation with Brother Muhammad, who represented the Nation of Islam out there during Nipsey's scenario, right? Um, all of those gangs got together and said, look, we're going to we're going to shut this down because we're recognizing something's going left here with us. Right. Our, our brother was on to something. He already had cachet across the, you know, the spectrum of, of different organizations that were in that landscape. But they they responded immediately and weren't afraid to to respond. Now, that doesn't mean that the church wasn't out there. So I'm not saying that because. There, there are, in many cases, sometimes media bias and opportunities where the church is present front and center, but because it may be more intimate or it didn't have the flashy presence or whatever the case may be, that story is missed. So what I am saying is a concerted effort of churches from all across the walks have an opportunity to show up as first responders. That is better than any, you know, Unity Day concert, outdoor revival, all of it, it doesn't matter. You're showing up when I need it the most because that is actually what the Savior did. He showed up when I needed him most. That can't be your testimony, but something you're also not willing to help others experience.